Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Selling Greenville, your favorite real estate podcast here in Greenville, South Carolina. I am your host, as always, Stan McCune, realtor here in the upstate of South Carolina. You have all of my contact information in the show notes, as always. Should you need to reach me for any of your real estate needs, you can do it however you want. Phone number, email, text, call. Uh, I get Facebook messages sometimes. I get Instagram messages sometimes. I mean, listen, if you find me on one of those platforms, you can message me on those platforms as well. I don't care. I will respond to everything. That is just the way I roll, okay? I want to be as accessible as possible. So my contact information is in the show notes. Um, And also, if you like this show, please subscribe. Make sure that you don't miss any future episodes. Please go ahead and leave a rating, leave a review. I really appreciate when you guys do that. That really helps the show. And uh, yeah, let's get right into it. I am fresh off of a vacation to Mexico. I went to uh, Playa del Carmen, which is about an hour outside of Cancun. It was very nice, beautiful weather. I got a little toasty. I'm a very white person um, in terms of, well, in terms of of everything. Um, (laughs) uh, So my skin... Uh, did get burnt. I looked like a flag with the strange uh, burn pattern that I got. Uh, but nonetheless, Mexico, uh, my first time there, I- I've done a decent bit of travel in my lifetime, but it was my first time down there. I took my entire family with me, including a six-year-old and a 10-year-old. Um, we all had a blast. I highly recommend it. And uh, here I am. I'm back in the saddle this week. I hope you guys enjoyed the last few weeks of episodes. I actually recorded all of those prior to my trip uh, in order to make sure that you guys did not have an interruption of podcast episodes. Uh, but now here I am. I'm actually recording this on Wednesday, which is a late day for me to record this. I'm going to record it and then immediately upload it, uh, and then hopefully you guys can listen to it. But I want to tell you guys a story of a uh, a listing that I just had close. It closed while I was in Mexico, which was never supposed to happen. Um, but nonetheless, it, it just closed. And this is an example of, of a listing where everything went wrong. And I feel like I need to uh, put this out there for, for posterity. And, and when I say everything went wrong, this was nothing that... I, I mean, there's always things that you can improve, but I feel like I did... Uh, a very good job from a listing agent perspective. I, I feel like I did my part, and my clients did their part as well. They were more than amenable. They were great sour clients. And so uh, I'm not trying to blame them. Uh, the buyer's agent could have done some things better, in my opinion, but she was also very amenable as well. This is an example in, in, in which there was a lot of things that went wrong that were just outside of our control, and I just need to put this out on the air, this is going to be something that I'll probably listen back to at some point just to remind myself of the crazy roller coaster that we went through. But here's a way for you to see what can happen, all of the things that can go wrong in a real estate transaction. This is why uh, realtors, why we get paid the big bucks, right? We, we've got to make sure these things get to closing, um, and sometimes that's harder than others. So to give a little bit of background, this is a listing that I had at the beginning of this year, okay? This is at the beginning of this year. Um, We put this on the market. It's a condo, uh, a very cheap condo. Of course, our our condo market here outside of uh, luxury condos is pretty cheap in the Greenville area. So this is a condo listed for 
roughly $160,000. And if you know anything about the real estate market, uh, once you get in this area below $200,000 on a listing, it gets squirrely really fast. And, and really, I would say even below two fifty. dollars It's a squirrely market. You get a ton of first-time home buyers, a ton of people that are, are barely able to squeak by with their down payments. Their credit score might not be that great. You know, they can't afford very much home. And so uh, it ends up being a unique market that you're having to deal with. This below 200, below 250, but especially below 200,000 market it is a very difficult, very squirrely market. And these are the listings that I have to put the most amount of work into, by and large. Okay. Anything below 250, I just know, okay, I'm going to be earning my keep on this. Um, so, so we knew that, or I, at least I knew that going in. So we list it. Um, now, as you would expect, we got quite a bit of activity. It was a nice condo, 160000 which is what the market said it was worth. We get a decent bit of activity, not a ton of activity, uh, but, you know, over the course of, uh, of the first few days, you know, five, six showing, something like that. And uh, we immediately get three offers, three very different offers, mind you. Um, one was an offer with an occupancy agreement and a, a very odd contingency. We'll get into the contingency a little bit later, but the occupancy agreement is not my favorite thing. What that means is you're basically giving the buyers occupancy prior to closing, and they have uh, a fee, an occupancy fee that you that they have to pay to the sellers. Um, now, we don't call it rent. There's a very specific reason why we don't call it rent. It's because it's not an actual lease agreement, and it's not establishing a landlord uh, renter type of arrangement. It is a fee that the buyer is paying to the seller to allow them to get early occupancy to the house. We Realtors, we don't like those types of, of agreements because a lot can go wrong. It's a lot more work for all parties. Uh, and so we got that. We got that offer. Um, we got another offer that was with no down payment. They had a, a loan that uh, allowed them to, to bring no down payment. Um, it was uh, an okay offer otherwise. It, it was... Uh, not at full price either, uh, which again, in a multiple offer situation, we want to get uh, to full price at, at the very least uh, for what we've got it listed for, assuming we haven't listed it for more than it's worth, which we didn't in this case. Um, and then we got another offer that was a little bit above the list price and had kind of stronger terms in general. Stronger, uh, it, it was just a stronger offer in every way than the other uh, than the other offers. Well, um, as we are reviewing all of these offers and trying to uh, trying to come to a, a decision on what we're going to do with all of them, uh, my clients realized that they had left something off the seller's disclosure that was kind of a, a big deal. They left off the seller's disclosure that they had knowledge that, uh, at least from a, a past inspection that they had done, that their chimney liner needed to be replaced. And uh, they had not put that on the seller's disclosure, even though they had kind of discussed that with me at one point. Now, 
Uh, reminder, in South Carolina, I'm not allowed to give advice on the seller's disclosure. That is a hard and fast rule. I can't put a pen to it. I can't make advice. I can't tell people how to answer questions. That is a major, major no-no that the South Carolina Association of Realtors, the Greater Greenville Association of Realtors, my brokerage, every brokerage says, this is the rule. Okay, That is for the sellers to completely fill out on their own. And if they leave something out, that's on them. Um, and obviously, I, I I will review things on on the seller's disclosure, and I might say, hey, did you mean to say this or did you mean to say that? Um, but I usually try to give all of my advice up front prior to them filling it out. Well, this was an example. They had told me that the fireplace was going to convey as is, and so I actually put that in the listing. There is a section uh, that we call member remarks. These are realtor only. Uh, this is a realtor only section of the listing. But realtors always need to review that section to see what it says because there is some very important information in there. And so one of those very important details that I put in there was that the fireplace conveyed as is. So in my opinion, the fact that they had initially missed on the seller's disclosure about the chimney liner wasn't that big of a deal because I had already disclosed that the fireplace was conveying as is to begin with. Nevertheless, when they brought it to my attention, it was like, yes, let's go ahead and add that, and we'll send that back out to all uh, of the other potential buyers just for them to uh, to to review and to look at. And so, uh, so we did. We sent that out to back out to all the people that had made offers. I, I explained to the agents uh, what was happening there, and we have this offer that is above list price and has stronger terms than the others. Um, they uh, initial and and you know send back that seller's disclosure where they initialed the modification, but there was uh, one very minor problem with their offer, and that was that they had misspelled the seller's name. So we just had to sign everything. So we we fully ratified the contract. But technically, it's not 100% ratified unless that name is corrected and all parties initial it. So my clients, we corrected it. My clients initialed it. We sent it back over to the to the buyers to uh, to initial, and then at that point, it would be fully fully ratified. We're, we would go from 99% ratified to 100%. This is just a formality, right? This isn't a big deal. Nevertheless, uh, it is a big deal. The contract would not be processed by my office without that being initialed. Uh, and so we needed to get that done. Um, so I, I sent it over to them. And uh, of course, I waited to uh, change the status in the MLS to under contract. I'm still showing it as active. And uh, and now we wait. Oh, and, and by the way, I had to, obviously at this time, I'm required legally to send a form that rejects the other offers. We We had to, I had to send a form that says that I had presented all the offers and that the two that we didn't like as much, the one with no down payment and not as good of an offer, the one uh, that had the occupancy uh, agreement, we had to reject those. All right. So we rejected those. And now we're waiting to just get this one final initial from the, the potential buyers of the house. And so we wait and we wait. 
and we wait some more and the buyer's agent goes dark on me. I'm trying to reach the buyer's agent. I'm not hearing anything. It's starting to seem like something is up. This is a really bad sign when an agent just that was responsive just completely goes dark. And all of a sudden I start getting a flurry of messages from her that um, because the sellers did not disclose the chimney liner originally and because uh, in her opinion, I had not put that the fireplace conveyed as is in, uh, I had not made that clear enough in the listing, even though I put it in the spot that we always put it in. That is the spot. That is the place in the MLS where you put that information. Um, she said that I didn't make that clear enough from the get-go. And on the basis of all of that, her clients they have had to deal with fireplace replacements in the past and, uh, you know, chimney liner replacements and it's tons and tons of money. Um, they want the buyers to fix that. Uh, sorry, they, they want the sellers to fix that uh, and, and to remove that uh, from the seller's disclosure, remove that from the listing that it's conveying as is. And it was like, no, this was in the MLS from the get-go. It said the fireplace conveyed as is. It's your responsibility as a realtor to go over that with your clients. In fact, when I'm showing houses to my clients, assuming they give me enough time uh, to uh, do all of this, I will print off the MLS sheet that actually has those private remarks on it so they can review that and they can see what it says. Um, regardless, this all fell apart uh, right from the get-go because this agent failed to, to do her job of seeing that the fireplace conveyed as is. My uh, the sellers were not interested in that. We had other offers, so it was just like, okay, well, it's falling apart from the get go. Here we go. This is where it gets squirrely at this price point. So at this point now, <clears throat> excuse me, the home has been on the market for multiple days, and so and, and again, remember, I didn't switch the status to under contract. It's still showing as active, and so. Um, we've now gotten a sense of, of what the first wave of showings looks like, what the first wave of offers looks like, and there's not a whole lot of activity upcoming. There's re really like no activity upcoming. There's people making showings and canceling showings, and you know how it is. At this price point, it, 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 there's just a lot of, of different things that, that you just have to be prepared for, and, and it's, uh, like I said, a lot more work than, than selling a more expensive home in a lot of ways. Um, and so now we're like, okay, there's not a whole lot of other activity, but we do have these other two people that we rejected offers for. Let's go back to them. So I, I go back to them. I discuss to the other uh, agents what happened. Um, the agent representing the buyer with no down payment, that buyer just said, forget it. Uh, we're not interested. And that was honestly going to be the one that we were probably going to be the most interested in. They were just like, no, no, we're, we're not messing around with this now. So it was like, okay, um, that left us back with one offer now. This is the offer with the occupancy agreement. Um, now, whenever I have, I've had multiple offers over the years uh, on my listings uh, with buyers that have occupancy uh, requests. They want to gain occupancy for the home prior to closing. Um, and I explained this uh, a little bit just a few minutes ago. Um, but 
there's obviously a major risk to doing this. Obviously, there's the risk. In the worst case scenario, you have a situation where the buyer is not able to get to closing. And now they already have possession of the house. Now you have to get them out of the house. Uh, and what if they don't leave the house? Then you could possibly have to evict them. They're, they're, that is the nuclear scenario, right? Uh, where you, you have a situation where you're now having to evict. And, and of course, it's, this isn't exactly the best time to evict either. Um, there's, all, there's been all sorts of COVID loopholes and whatnot with evictions uh, that people have been able to use. And so, uh, the long story short, we hashed through all of that, and I had a lengthy conversation with my clients about what this would look like if we accepted it. Um, at the end of the day, they were like, you know what, we don't really have a whole lot of other activity. We got that first wave through, and now we're not seeing anyone else booking any showings. Um, we should probably take the bird in hand at this time. And and there is one, there was one advantage to the occupancy agreement for them there and sometimes it can be a win-win and in this case it looked like it could have been one of those instances of being a win-win which was that my clients had already bought the home that they were moving into and they were carrying two mortgages so they wanted to sell their their condo asap but they had already bought the home and were already in the process of moving out of the condo and so this was a possibility where rather than you know, having to float two mortgages, if they got this occupancy fee from the buyer, now the buyer was essentially paying for their mortgage and giving them a, a little bit of extra money in their pockets as well. So there were uh, advantages to that. There, That was something that uh, looked like it had the potential to be a win-win. But there was another little wrinkle to this offer as well, of course, and that was that the buyer's we're building a primary residence in Somerville. So uh, apparently the buyers, it was a husband and wife team that were lawyers, and they they practiced some law uh, or something here in Greenville. Uh, we never fully got the story straight, but they, they had been renting uh, short-term rentals in Greenville. They just wanted to have, they, they do enough commuting back and forth, they just wanted to have a second home here in, in Greenville. Uh, but they were building a home in Somerville and their lender told them that they needed to close on the home in Somerville prior to closing on the home here in Greenville, prior to closing on, on the condo. Well, I had some questions about that. Uh, not all of that made sense to me. Um, I you know, talked to the lender about it. The lender gave me a really uh, glowing report about the buyers and just said, hey, listen, just it's going to mess things up with them. Uh if we don't do it this way. And it was just like, well, what's it going to mess up? Well, I can't really get into all of that, but you know, it, it would just, they wouldn't get as good of an interest rate on their main home. Uh, and that's their more, obviously a much more expensive home than this $160,000 condo, blah, blah, blah. It, it made a little bit, it made just enough sense um, that it wasn't a major, major red flag, but it was definitely a yellow flag. It was like, okay, um, and of course I just relayed that information to my clients and at the end of the day, it was like, you know, this is a concern. How do you feel about accepting the risk here? There, there is, there are multiple risks with this offer. And another risk was they were saying the Somerville home was about two months out from closing. 
Um, and that was because of construction. Their construction had been delayed because, you know, during COVID, we have had tons of construction delays. And so there was going to be this uh, situ- this scenario where maybe they weren't going to uh, be able to even close that home on time. And essentially, they're asking for a weird contingency that we don't even have this in our contract. We had to uh, to write this a certain way into the contract, but as essentially that they would not uh, close on the condo until they had closed on the home in Somerville. Again, um, I talked all of that through. I talked to the lender. The lender said very good things, said they were a very strong client. There were not going to be issues with them closing on the condo, basically immediately after closing on on the house in Somerville, they would be able to close on the condo. It'd be almost a simultaneous thing. Everything sounded good there. Um, My clients with the lack of showings and whatnot and the lack of activity coming up, they were just like, let's go for it. Let's go for it. Um, We'll get that money coming in, you know, for the next couple of months, uh, which helps us to, to pay for that second mortgage that we have. Um, yeah, let's let's just go ahead and move forward with it and kind of roll the dice. Well, of course, the buyer's agent works for uh, one of these like online only brokerages, which, listen, I don't get into the politics of all these different brokerages, but let's say that when I see an agent reach out to me, I'm definitely looking at what brokerage they're with, and I can immediately gain a sense of, uh, for the most part, how... Uh, let me just say it this way. There are some stereotypes <laughs> with different brokerages in terms of how competent uh, the agents are. And this is an online-only brokerage that does not have a very good track record for training their agents. And the, the buyer's agent had no idea. She was in way over her head in terms of the occupancy agreement. She didn't even realize there was, there was an actual form that addressed this in, in uh, the South Carolina Association of Realtors forms. Um, she thought she just had to write it into the contract, which that's not how it, wor- how it works. Um, I had to uh, help her with, you know, structuring this weird contingency in, in terms of them uh, buying the home in Somerville before buying the home, uh, the condo here in Greenville. Uh, I'm having to do kind of double work, which, again, this is not unusual for homes in this price point. A lot of the agents working in this space are newer agents as well. That is a very common aspect to it. Um, <clears throat> that's something that, uh, again, I signed up for. I signed up for when I took the listing. Not not trying to complain about that, just trying to state the facts here. This is all part of the story. All right. So, shortly after going under contract... The buyers were granted uh, occupancy. We had a, a little bit of a delay from the time we went under contract until you know the the sellers had to completely get their stuff out and everything. Plus, uh, part of the agreement is that all the inspections have to be completed ahead of time by the buyer prior to gaining occupancy because once they go into that house, they have to accept the house in as-is condition. So all inspections, repairs, etc. have to be done prior to them moving in because once they move in if, if if they damage anything or if anything goes wrong once they moved in that's on them they they are essentially acting as a homeowner at that point they are not renting it's not the landlord's responsibility there is no landlord they are in the house as buyers prior to buying that's how legally um, at least the way i understand it how it works 
Um, so they have occupancy, but they're again, they live in like the Charleston area. So uh, their plan was only to to come over to to Greenville sporadically, like maybe a few days per month. It it wasn't a, a hefty uh, amount of time that they spend in Greenville. Um, but prior to us giving them full occupancy, and prior to them actually uh, coming into the condo, things start getting shipped over there. Large boxes, furniture pieces, all kinds of things. And remember, this is a condo, and it's like catty corner to the uh, next door unit. It's it's a very interesting situation where where two units kind of come together at a right angle. And, uh, you know, if both units opened their doors at the same time, they'd hit each other. Well, you have all these boxes showing up uh, on the front porch blocking both units, essentially, uh, and also just being out there for anyone to take. Massive boxes. And uh, and so my clients, as they're still trying to move out, they're like, what's the deal with this? We have all these boxes. We're having to move these in ourselves um, and this keeps going for a, like a week. For like a week, we're like having massive boxes coming over here. And, and apparently, they uh, they were ordered on Amazon. And there was supposed to be a delay on them until after the buyer was was there and had, had uh, been at the, the property. But that's not at all what happened. We had more and more boxes coming. And there was like a week of drama right off the bat. And this is when I knew. This was not going to be good. This was not going <laughs> to. This was not going to be a good transaction. Um, now I had mentioned that all the inspections and repairs and everything had to be done in advance of the uh, buyers having that occupancy agreement go into effect. Okay, so they did. They had their inspections and all that. Well, during the inspection period, it was discovered that an outside closet. So. These condos, they have back decks, and from the back deck, there's like an outside closet that's like designed as like a little, almost like a little utility shed. You can hold, you know, yard equipment or whatever out there, things that you might need uh, on your back deck. Um, So the inspector had gone in there and had discovered that there was substantial water damage, and it was never noticed by me or the sellers, because they had all their yard equipment in there, and you had to, it wasn't until they had, like, removed all that stuff out that it became very apparent that there was some sort of a leak with the roof or the siding or something that had caused uh, pretty substantial water damage in there. And so now we're in a situation here where obviously that's something that needs to be repaired. That's a structural, it was a structural type of thing and a a moisture damage type of thing. That's covered in the repair procedure. If you've listened to uh, my past episode, which I highly recommend on the the weird aspects of the Greenville contract, we talk uh, ad nauseum about the repair procedure because it's a quirky part of the contract that we use here in Greenville. Uh, But something like this is definitely a a covered item, definitely a seller paid repair, as it states in uh, the contract language. Uh, but, but remember, this is a condo, and as with most condos, the HOA was responsible for exterior maintenance. Well, what happens when uh, lack of exterior maintenance causes interior damages? Whose responsibility is that? Technically, 
It's the homeowner's responsibility to cover everything from the walls in, inside of, uh, inside of the condo. Uh, but this is a weird situation where the HOA kind of bore some responsibility as well. They have deferred maintenance, uh, things that they did poorly with the roof and the siding that caused the damages here. But at the same time, the buyers did not uh, inform them in a timely manner of it. So a lot of different things going on here. Uh, but the bottom line is, even if uh, the sellers paid someone to do the interior repairs, we're getting tons of rain at this time. We don't want to do the interior repairs prior to the HOA, at the very least doing the exterior repairs, okay? Not to mention that we feel like the, I, I felt like at least, the HOA is responsible for all of it. It's not even clear you know, in the bylaws, I looked through the bylaws for this community. It's not even clear if those um, uh, exterior closets, if the interior of them is even uh, considered part of the homeowner's responsibility to begin with. It, the whole thing was very unusual. Nonetheless, we went ahead and had our contractors go out there and get get quotes, which uh, were for several thousand dollars. I arranged for a few different contractors to look at it. They they said it would be several thousand dollars to do the repairs. DHOA, uh, in pretty timely manner, uh, sends their own contractor out there. He also says this is going to be like a full rebuild of these closets. Uh, and and by the way, that closet was connected to the neighbor's closet. Uh, again, just the way they constructed these condos. Um, and so, long story short, it, it's looking like it's going to be expensive. But the HOA hasn't committed to anything. Um, and after that contractor goes out there, uh, we don't hear a whole lot from the HOA for, for a while. Um, so in the meantime, we went ahead and, and did the other repairs. Okay, We're, we're kind of waiting to figure out this thing with the HOA. But there are a few other little repairs that need to be done. Um, I helped my clients. Obviously, uh, they didn't have any handymen or contractors. I helped to arrange that for them, get those repairs knocked out. Um, and now we have the the back and forth with the HOA trying to uh, decide what they're going to do. We, we go ahead and give the buyers occupancy because we're at that point now. Um, but we have kind of an exception on there that they're gaining occupancy, accepting the property as is, but at the same time, knowing that the closet is to be repaired prior to closing. Um, and I've informed the buyer's agent. She understands what all is going on, on over there. Um, but now we're waiting on the HOA. And they won't give us an answer. And all of our communications this whole time with the HOA is through the HOA property manager. Um, not anyone on the HOA board itself. And, and some HOAs are like this. Some are better than others in this way. This HOA, not very good. I'm, I'm just going to come out and say it. It was not a good experience. At no point did we ever communicate with someone from the board itself. All communications was through the HOA manager, who is basically operating as a middle middleman. It was a woman, but a, we'll just use that term, middle person. Uh, we'll go with that. Uh, she was operating as a middle person here. I have over a hundred emails back and forth with this lady, going back and forth over 
things related to the HOA. It was insane. Phone calls, emails, messages, um, a tremendous amount of back and forth. I don't know how many hours I put into this listing, um, but I, I got paid way below minimum wage in terms of the amount of time that I put into it. Um, and so uh, here we are. We're actually starting to get close to the closing date, and we're getting updates from the buyer's agent that, hey, the windows have been put in. Hey, the sheetrock has been done, again, with the house in Somerville. Um Hey, they're doing painting today. So the house in Somerville is looking like it's actually going to close on time, which is a, a little bit surprising in some ways. We were really concerned about that. But now we have this other big wild card here in Greenville that we never anticipated happening, which is that we're getting close to the closing date, but the HOA, they haven't even met to discuss the closet. And they're telling us, oh, we're going to meet next month. We have, a, we have a monthly meeting. We're tabling this until next month. It's like, we have a closing date. Your responsibility as an HOA is to serve your the people in your community. This is, and can you not have a, a Zoom meeting to discuss this? Everyone is having Zoom meetings right now. Like, you have to wait for a month to have an in-person meeting to discuss it. And you've already had the contractor come out and all of that. Um, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Believable. So, again, all of this is going on in the background. We're getting close to what we believe to be the closing date, close to the closing date in Somerville, and then we have the closing date for this condo here in Greenville for a few days after that, because that was what the lender told us uh, that they would do. Well, at some point in the process of all of, of all of this going on, I'm discussing. Uh, just the status of everything with the buyer's agent, how the house in Somerville is going. And she mentions in passing that the buyer is now going to actually purchase the condo with cash. And it's like, oh, uh, okay. Um, we you, we kind of needed to know that. And I need proof of funds that the buyer can actually do this. Um, and so the buyer's agent was like, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll get you proof of funds. And again, she was, she was responsive very responsive buyer's agent, just didn't fully understand how the process works. So she sends me uh, proof of funds that the buyer can, in fact, purchase it with cash. Okay, that's fine. No problem. I am more than happy with a cash purchase versus having the the financing issue, uh, the potential issues of financing. However, we knew it wasn't going to be that easy. A week later, Suddenly, the buyer no longer wants to purchase with cash. Her reserves would be way too low if she did that. Um, she wants to finance the deal again. Go back to financing. However, now she wants to change lenders. It's starting to get really fishy. Really fishy. So, we discuss it. I discuss it with the buyer's agent. I discuss it with my clients. I talk to the lender. I need something from the lender that says that he can actually do this deal. It turns out he tells me that the previous lender, of course, who knows if this was true or not. He may have just been trashing them because, you know, he was trying to pump himself up. But he said that the previous lender did not know what they were doing, that they were not going to be able to provide financing for them, which may very well be true the way it went down. Um, But that... Um, he thinks that he can provide financing for them, but he's not willing to put anything in writing, no pre-approval letter or anything, until they close on the house in Somerville. 
And then once they close on the house in Somerville, he should be able to do it pretty quickly after that. Give us a pre-approval letter. Well, again, remember, we have a few days after um, after the closing is supposed to happen in Somerville until our closing is supposed to happen here in Greenville. So that should give him enough time to get it done, right? Well, um, the long story short is uh, no. <laughs> that was not enough time. They closed in Somerville, um, and now we are a few days prior to closing, we still don't have any commitment from the lender that he can actually finance the deal. So we have to push the closing out. We just do it a few days. We we need to actually see that this buyer can actually get pre-approved for financing before we extend this contract by any lengthy period of time. We don't want to extend it by 30 days and then immediately find out, oh, they can't actually get financing. Well, this lender um, was like, oh, sorry, I'm really busy. We're trying to get it done. I've got underwriting doing this. I've got this happening, this happening. Um, and so now we're in this waiting game with with both the HOA and now also the lender. Um, so we have to, and, and oh, and by the way, I, I remember that the buyer has occupancy in the condo at this point. And uh, if this all falls through, now the buyer has 30 days, we have to give them notice, 30 days to vacate. Um, and hopefully that all goes smoothly. Remember, in the nuclear scenario, we could have to evict and all of that. They have 30 days to vacate. And then at that point, we start the process all the way back over again with putting it back on the market and all of that. We don't want to do that. Nobody wants to do that. Um, and so we really, really, everyone wants to uh, have this buyer purchase the home. And so we agree to uh, the a short-term extension. And finally, during that period, the lender, I, I think we had to extend it twice for just like a couple of days because the lender was taking so long. It normally takes, you know, one of my lenders can get someone pre-approved in hours. I mean, we're talking hours. It took him a week to get them pre-approved. Now, what he said was that he was doing some pre-underwriting, which I have heard of. Of I, That is something that lenders will do sometimes just to be 100% certain that they can finance a deal. Um, but again, it doesn't usually take this long. There was something else going on there that he wasn't telling us. Um, but finally... Finally, after a couple of extensions, short extensions, he says, okay, I can do it, but it's going to take me a couple of months to close out the loan for us to actually get to closing. And I'm like, a couple of months? If it Again, if this were one of my lenders, they would have been pre-approved same day, and we could get this closed in two to three weeks. I mean, we've done everything. The only thing that hasn't been done is underwriting the appraisal. And those don't take that long. So nothing really makes sense. I mean, we have a lot of things that aren't making any sense. But it's like, what do we do? We either go with this, extend for, we, we compromise. We decided let's extend for 45 days. That should give you plenty of time. Maybe that'll put a fire under the lender. We can always do another extension. We'll extend for 45 days. 
um, and we need to get this done during that during that time period. And and reminder, the buyers are paying that occupancy during this time, so it's it's not like my clients are losing money; they're actually gaining some money during this time. Um, and additionally, we are waiting on the HOA as well. So in some ways, there are some advantages to this being delayed. If if it hadn't been delayed, you know, we would have had to figure out the situation with the HOA, which was completely non-responsive. Um, and we, there was a lot of stuff. There might have been money that would have had to been held back at closing. Who knows what would have had to happen in that situation. And so in some ways, there was a little bit of relief that was like, okay, this buys us some time to get everything with the HOA and with this exterior closet in order. Um, and so we take the lesser of two evils, go ahead and, uh, and extend this out for several more weeks. Well, meanwhile, now, now we're in a waiting game. Uh, again, hun- hundreds of emails are being sent. I mean, I have sent probably uh, email correspondence uh, probably on the verge of, of uh, three to 400 emails between the HOA, uh, the attorney, and the lender, and uh, the buyer's agent. I mean, we have hundreds of emails going on. I'm working on this several hours every week. But now we're in a waiting game. We're trying to, we're trying to, uh, you know, get right now our main focus, me and the sellers are getting that exterior closet figured out. While we're waiting, and again, the HOA is still rebuffing us. Um, I get a call from the next door neighbor who I don't know. She, I don't know where she got my information from. She must have tried looked up who the listing agent was and um, and contacted me. And she said she's angry. She was like, "There has been loud music playing in that condo since yesterday, all through the night. I didn't sleep last night. I am ticked off." And it was like. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, let me see what's going on here now. You know, it's it's kind of like a, another twist on the situation we had before when we had boxes just showing up over there. So I call the buyer's agent. She's like, they're not even in town right now. Um, so she has to go over there, and it turns out there was like some kind of like an an alarm, a loud music alarm that went off and was just constantly playing. And I, I don't even know. I don't even want to know like what what kind of an alarm just goes on for 24 hours. Um, but in any event, uh, we had to put that fire out. Um, finally, uh, while all of that is happening, finally the HOA meets. And their decision is that they need more time. I feel like I, I just recently rewatched The Lord of the Rings. And if you've watched The Lord of the Rings or read the books... Um, it, it, it's similar in this regard that you get the situation in the second book where you've got these Ents, which are like these old trees and they're really slow and uh, they talk, they're trying to decide if they're going to go to war to help the good guys, um, to help the fellowship, if we're going to be specific. And um, they talk for a really, really long time. And then at the end of, of all of this discussion, it's like, okay, what did you guys decide? And they're like, decide? We didn't decide anything. We just said hello. <laughs> that was what the HOA was doing. It was like they were, they had just decided to say hello. Um, so 
they said they still needed more time to, to make a decision. Well, I guess the only silver lining, if there was a silver lining, is that we had more time. So it was like, okay, at, at least they've met. That is a very, very small moral victory. They met. We know it's on their radar. We do have more time. Um, and so, uh, again, we're, we're just keeping the back and forth going with them, trying to keep that conversation alive. About a month later, okay, so now we're a few weeks from the new amended closing date. About a month later, I get that dreaded phone call. The buyer has run into additional financing issues. And again, the lender is really mum on what happened. I mean, I thought that he had done pre-underwriting. This There should have been no situation where the buyer ran into additional financing issues. So I don't know what all was going on with them. They said, I got some excuse at one point about why they changed from a cash deal to a finance deal that they had like a thirty or $40,000 uh, tax hit that they didn't realize they were going to have. Uh, who knows? I, I don't know what all was going on. Uh, but the lender is mum on what happened. But now the buyer's mother, so originally it was a husband and wife team. Well, now it's just the wife. Now the the wife, the woman's mother now has to come on the loan in order to make this deal work. So this is all going downhill really fast. Now, we still have a few weeks to get it closed out, which should be enough time to to get it done. But oh, no. No, 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 no. It's not enough time. Not for these people. Um, And, you know, at this point, it's like, oh, we're probably three or so weeks away from when we're supposed to close. And again, I have closings that happen all the time in three weeks. You go under contract and three weeks later you're closed and that's with financing. So that should be plenty of time for everything to happen. But I've noticed, you know, we've been under contract a while now uh, and with this new lender and I haven't seen an appraisal uh, come through. I haven't seen it been ordered or anything and there's not really any reason to delay it so I reach out to the lender, and he's like, oh, yeah, let me check on it. Uh, I don't hear anything. I reach back out to the lender. Radio silence. Uh, about a week later, he says, sorry, I was on vacation. Um, let me work on this now. It's like, well, must be nice to, to go on vacation and just completely check out. Uh, do you not have people in place that can order an appraisal for you? Um, and now at this point... The uh, appraisal, because a lot of appraisers are backed up, now at this point, the buyer has to pay for a rushed appraisal. So the buyer actually had to pay additional money because of, uh, it looks like the lender's incompetence. I'm guessing that that the buyer was complicit in it in some way, because I'm sure, I would assume that they would have been angry about having to pay the extra fee um, if it, you know, was entirely the lender's fault. Uh, But nonetheless, now... We're waiting on the appraisal. We're still waiting on the HOA. Now we're waiting on the appraisal. Now we have this other variable with, with the mom being on, on the loan. Uh, it's, a, it's a mess. And now it's like, when is this appraisal going to happen? So now we're about a week and a half prior to closing, the date that we think we're supposed to close on. The appraisal still hasn't even, I haven't even seen the appraisal come in. The lender has told us that the appraisal has been ordered. I haven't seen any requests for the appraiser. The, the lender told me on 
Monday, he was like, you'll be hearing from the appraiser at any point now. Tuesday comes by, Wednesday comes by, I'm reaching out to the lender. I haven't heard anything from the from any appraiser. Thursday, Friday comes by, still no appraiser uh, scheduling anything. Saturday, I'm at Artisphere, which if you're not from Greenville, Artisphere is a big art event that we have every year with artists from local artists and also artists from really all over the U.S. Really fun event, outdoor event. You get to look at a lot of cool art, different exhibits. And I'm there with my family. We This year, you had to, to pay just to enter, which is not normally the way it is. And there was all sorts of social distancing. We had a limited period of time, a very limited period of time that we could be there uh, under our single ticket. Um, so I'm at Artisphere, and I get a notification on my phone that the, uh, that the appraisal is going to happen the same day. While I'm at Artisphere, I actually I got that notification. I, I should clarify, I got that notification prior to Artisphere that the appraisal was going to happen during Artisphere. Great. I I go ahead and I let the buyer's agent know. Hey, just so you know, at four o'clock today, the appraisal uh, is the appraiser is supposed to be going over there, just in case the the buyers were over there. Um, you know, because again, we've given them occupancy. Um, so. Uh, that's that. I'm happy. We're finally starting to see something get done. So again, I'm at Artisphere. Uh, it was like three o'clock to five thirty on on that Saturday, um, and you know I know that at four o'clock it's supposed to the appraisal is supposed to happen. So I get a notification on my phone, the lockbox um, around like four fifteen or something like that, that the lockbox was opened by the appraiser. Okay, great, good deal. A few minutes later, I get a phone call from an 864 area code, and I'm like, oh, crap. What is about... I, I knew I knew it wasn't good, right? Because when you have something like that happening, I was already on high alert, but when, when you have something like that happening, and and you get that phone call from a number that you don't recognize, and but the number kind of registered with me, and I realized... This is the appraiser calling me because I had seen that number when they made the initial request and I had to to do the uh, appraisal. I had seen that phone number. It clicked with me. Oh, crap. This is the appraiser. What went wrong? And so I answer. I step aside. It's loud. There's like music. And I mean, it, it's loud. I'm here with my family outside of Artisphere. I step aside. The appraiser uh, is like, I'm... I open the lockbox. There's a key in there. I can unlock the deadbolt, but I, I can't unlock the knob. I can't get into this house. And it was like, well, the knob wasn't supposed to be locked. That was something that uh, the that was specifically in the MLS. That was something we didn't have a key for it. You know how how it is. Sometimes people will change a, one lock and not change the other, and then they'll lose one of the keys. And so then they just will stop locking one of the locks. Well, that was the case here. But of all things, the buyer had inadvertently locked the doorknob. And now we can't get into uh, the condo. And the appraiser's like, well, I've got bad news for you. I have a deadline to get this done in the next few days. But if I can't get into this today, then... Uh, I'm not going to be able to come back for at least another couple of weeks. I am booked solid for the next two to three weeks. And I was like, well, 
this has been, I, I, I'm actually telling her this. I was like, this has been the n- most nightmare scenario for my clients. We have gone through the ringer with the lender, with the HOA, with everyone. We've been under contract for months. I don't, I, I don't see how we could possibly have this appraisal delayed another two to three weeks. Is there anything else you can do? She was like, I'm sorry, there's really nothing else that I can do. But if you can get me into, here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to my next appraisal that I have done. It's my last one of the day. It's about 30 minutes away. It won't take me very long. I can come back after that in about an hour. If you can get the condo open for me in an hour, then I will uh, be able to get the appraisal done on time for you. So, Again, I apologize. This I knew this was going to go for a long time, and you can stop listening at any time if you want. Um, this is just for posterity. This is just for posterity, people. Um, <laughs> I call the I call the buyer's agent, and I'm like, "What what happened here? Do they do? Are your clients nearby anywhere? Can they unlock this? Like, we have to get this appraiser in." And the buyer's agent. Um, well, she actually didn't answer. She was not able to answer. She texted me. She was like, I'm sorry, they're not even in Greenville right now. They're they're back in Charleston. I don't know what to do. And here I am. Again, I'm standing aside from Artisphere while my, my family waits on me. And I'm just like, there's only one solution I can think of here outside of like kicking the door down, which obviously no, we're not going to do. Um, I have a good relationship with a locksmith who has been very, very, and apologies if you've heard this story before, this part of the story, but um, I have a a locksmith that has been exceptionally responsive for me in the past. I wouldn't even consider him if it wasn't for the fact that there have been times where I have called him to to change out locks for me, and he's done it like in a matter of a couple of hours. And I'm like, this is the Hail Mary of Hail Marys, right? Five. It's now 5 p.m. on a Saturday, um, and I'm going to, call a locksmith and ask him, hey, can you get out to a property and break into a property in the next 30 minutes? Whatever. It's my job. I call the locksmith and I'm like, listen, I'm really sorry to bother you on a Saturday night and I'm and I'm sure this is a crazy request and I don't expect you to, to feel obligated to do it, but I need you to get into a condo for me within the next 30 minutes told him the general location can you do it and he this guy he's from uh new jersey just like me so we have that you know good good jersey communication between us and uh and he was like oh yeah sure i'm just watching tv i'll head over there right now and literally he was there in 30 minutes and opened the door and we got the appraiser in and that is like the entire time, this is like the first time that there's actually been good news. It was, I was shocked. I could not believe that it worked out. I have never had in my career as a realtor, my previous career in ground transportation, we had crazy things like that. Uh, but in my career as a realtor, I have never uh, had a locksmith go ASAP out to a property or, or anything like that uh, it, to pull something off like that. It was it was a win that I was very proud of. And and honestly, the appraiser was pretty proud as well. She sent me a text message that she was very impressed that I was able to, to figure out a solution. And then we get some more good news, right? It's starting to pile up. 
the HOA had consulted an attorney. So this is like the next day or maybe Monday. We we get news that the HOA had consulted, uh, gotten legal consultants, uh, legal guidance, and uh, that their attorney had told them, you need to do the entire repair. And so our waiting paid off. The HOA now agreed to do the entire exterior and interior repair. But, <laughs> but, of course, I'm at this upcoming, this next week coming up, okay? Um, I'm at another closing, and I get a call from my seller client. Now, they only call me usually when it's an emergency. Um, and so it was like, oh, boy, what, what happened now? Um, I'm at a closing, so I can't answer. I text them, hey, can I call you back? And they send a frantic text back that the HOA had sent their contractor over to do the repairs. They had started the repairs and that the buyers had been rude to them and that the contractors were threatening to leave the work undone. And I was like, what? How could this how, how could this happen? None of this makes sense. And so, again, I'm at a closing and I'm not, you know, I can't just step out of the closing. There were some things going on there as well that we were waiting for. Um, and so I text the buyer's agent. She gets in, in a hold of the buyers. They aren't even in Greenville. And so I relay all of this to my clients. They, they head over to the condo. They're like 20 minutes away from there. They head over to the condo. It turns out uh, that it was the next door neighbor who, remember, the closets, these exterior closets are attached. And apparently when she saw people back there working on, on the closet, she assumed that it was... Uh, someone that would be a threat to her and I don't know if she called the cops or whatever the case was but was not pleasant did not act nicely with them got them upset they almost left the job site thankfully uh my client was able to to smooth it over with everyone um in in the situation where I couldn't be there um and and they were able to work it out and the contractor uh, was able to do what they needed to do without further instant incident. However, we are still waiting on the actual appraisal to get done. Remember, uh, that was one thing that we were waiting on. Now we're still waiting on the appraisal. When uh, an appraiser, when they uh, when they go in and they do their walkthrough and take their pictures and measurements and all of that, um, that's not the end of the the situation. They still have to uh, write up their report and run the comps and do all of this stuff. So they do. Finally, after a few days, they send it in and lender confirms we've gotten the appraisal, but it's on the wrong form. I have no idea. They, they never gave an explanation for what happened there, but their underwriting rejected it. It was on the wrong form. Additionally, I find out at the same time um, it, by means of an email that the lender sent to the HOA manager, they said, here, here's what they said in their email to the HOA manager, your records, because they had to, to get records from the HOA, your records do not show sufficient reserve funds, and your budget does not budget sufficiently for, uh, for reserves. Please send over a new budget showing that you will be uh, putting at least 10% of your dues into reserves. The HOA is not going to do that. They're not going to change their budget just for this deal to go through. 
Um, and the fact that they didn't have enough reserves, I mean, most condo communities don't have uh, enough reserves. Um, now, there are the, these are federal requirements um, for uh, situations when people are, are purchasing a condo with less than 20% down. There does need to be a minimum reserve fund in the HOA. None of us knew that they didn't have that. Um, and so here we are. We are days before closing. Now we find out the appraisal's on the wrong form and the HOA doesn't have enough reserve funds. They're not going to be able to come up with that out of thin air. They're not going to be able to change their budget on a whim. And so now it's like, are we even going to be able to get to closing? Like we got all this to this point. Is this going to be the the final thing that causes us to not be able to get over the finish line. And by this point, once I talk to my clients about this, they've had enough. They have a long conversation with me that was, they were heated not at me, not at anyone except for maybe the lender. Um, but they were just heated about the situation. They were just like, we've had enough. We're going to extend this uh, for one more week. And if if it's not closed within that week, we're, we're willing at that point to cut ties and we'll go through the process of, of kicking the buyers out and all of that. Um, but we need to just get this done. We have been under contract for months and, and I totally understood, you know, it was like, I told them, listen, I, I completely get where you're from and where you're coming from. There is a point at which you need to draw the line here. Um, and it seems like we're really close to it. You know, what I didn't want to do was was to draw that line like when if we were really going to be one or two days away from closing. But that's the thing is that we kept feeling like we were so close to getting this done and things just kept happening. So you have to draw the line somewhere. Well, naturally, um, I have a vacation that has been planned for several weeks in Mexico, um, as I already referenced earlier in this podcast. Um, and so, uh, this closing now, we are basically extending it for it to close while I'm in Mexico. So it's like, well, what could go wrong there? You know, um, while I'm in Mexico, finally we get confirmation and, and, uh, I haven't even given all the details, but there was like the appraisal was redone and re-rejected by underwriting like three or four times. There was like a two week period of, like, because uh, Artisphere was several weeks ago. If you look at if you look at the calendar when Artisphere was, it was like the beginning of, of May, if I remember correctly. Um, and during that entire time period, this closed on Friday. Okay, this house it it did finally this condo finally closed on Friday. But basically, for almost a month, we were going back and forth between the lender was allegedly going back and forth with underwriting and the appraiser trying to get it. On the right form. In the 11th hour, the appraisal was accepted. An exception was made for the HOA to have insufficient reserve funds, which I I don't know how they pulled that off, but more power to them. And while I was actually on like an excursion, uh, which if you've ever uh, been out to some of these uh, tropical areas, they have these excursions that you can do where you get off your resort and whatnot. While on an excursion in Mexico, I get a text from my client. 
that everything this past Friday had been signed and we made it and we got to the finish line. That is the wild ride of a listing where everything goes wrong. I have it out there. It will be out there in the public domain for me in the future to re-listen to. This will be a reminder. This is like me putting up a memorial. Here, <laughs> here is the memorial to this listing where everything went wrong, even though we did our best in every possible way. Sometimes your best, it, it still, it takes two to tango. The buyer and the seller both have to work together. And, and I think that the, the thing that really made this one difficult was the lack of communication. There is a severe lack of communication with the lender and us, with the buyer and us. And that really was the, the, the biggest challenge. I still don't feel like we ever got the full story, despite me really pressing them for it. We never, we, we got a lot of answers that were basically meaningless on any of the questions that we asked. So I've tried to reflect on what I've learned from this experience. And, and again, this podcast has gone on for really long, so I'm, I'm not going to drag this out. But real quickly, I, I feel like we did the best that we could with what we had. But I think the main thing in this situation I would do over, my main takeaway, is that when the, the buyers switched lenders, I had, I had actually thought about this and had actually strongly encouraged, hey, we need you to use a local lender. If your lender over there in Charleston area didn't work the first go around, how are we going to be guaranteed that this new lender in Charleston will work out? Um, it's always best to have a local lender because that's someone that I can go visit. I can go look at them face to face and say, what is going on here? Why are we not going to closing? They are motivated. They know they're going to brush shoulders with me. They know they're going to see me at networking events. There is a pride in getting the deal done and getting it done smoothly and getting it done on time. And there's a motivation because we are local. We're all in it together. Um, and I really encouraged the buyer's agent have, when they switch lenders, have them switch to someone local. I made recommendations for who they should do. But at the end of the day, you can't, you can't really mandate to the buyer who to uh, who they use as their lender. That's not really how it works. But I think there there is kind of a workaround here that in the future I think that I will utilize if I'm ever in this kind of a situation again, which is that um, basically not to encourage my clients if there's a situation where a lender is being changed to someone out of town and we need to extend the contract because of that, that we're not gonna extend the contract unless they switch to a local lender that we know. I think if we had done that, I think that the entire process would have been smoother. I wish that the buyer's agent, it, really that was the buyer's agent's responsibility. I wish that she had uh, that she had seen that, that she had realized that, that she could have uh, come through in that moment. Um, I understand that her clients had this guy that they wanted to use for whatever reason, but it is what it is. That is my main takeaway. I'm glad it's over. I am glad this one is over. Every year we have, you know, every year I have something like this where there is, you know, a, a deal that's out of your control that just takes a lot longer uh, than it should and is a lot more difficult than it should be. This one was the one and hopefully the only one for this year. 
If you've listened all this point to the end, thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. I, I hope it doesn't discourage you from selling your home. Hopefully it helps you to see that we can work through every possible issue. This one had every possible issue and we worked through it. Thank you guys for listening. My contact information is in the show notes. Leave the show a rating or a review, hopefully both. And until next time, I hope you guys stay safe.